The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is sponsored by Agape Match. Agape Match is a boutique matchmaking service that caters to exceptional singles. To learn more about how I can help you, go to agapematch.com. Welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. In this week's episode, I am speaking to senior dating editor at Elite Daily, Hannah Orenstein. And she'll be joining us as I answer your dating and relationship questions. She's the author of three novels, Head Over Heels, Love at First Like, and Playing with Matches. Previously, she worked as the youngest matchmaker for the largest dating service in the United States. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting and so much fun. I, I, what's exciting to me is how different you are probably going to be from not only previous guests, but future guests, because you're an author of fiction, which, yeah, (laughs) like, I can't even tell you, I was going through, you know, I have a lot of books on my bookshelf because I was going through them and I realized that I think my bookcase is like 95% nonfiction or, or like, you know, autobiography. It's not filled with fiction books. And the fiction that, that exists is always the plot lines are interweaved with historical events. So then as I was reading your latest book, I realized that this is the kind of fiction book that I like, which is here's a plot line happening intertwined with you know, historical events happening. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's based on um, things that have been going on in the elite gymnastics world for the past 20, 30 years. And it's all really come to a head in the past couple of years. So I was, you know, excited for the challenge of writing that into fiction for sure. Hannah's book, like I said, came out June 23rd. It's already been named the best beach summer read by O, the Oprah magazine, Cosmopolitan, Parade, Pop Sugar, Mary Claire, and Bustle. That's crazy. (laughs) That's just so many. uh, That's amazing. A little summation of the book. The past seven years have been hard on Avery Abrams. After training her entire life to make the Olympic gymnastics team, a disastrous performance ended her athletic career for good. Her best friend and teammate, Jasmine, went on to become an Olympic champion, then committed the ultimate betrayal by marrying their emotionally abusive coach, Dimitri. So just just that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, you know, I happened to listen to the podcast Believed last year where they interview all of the gymnasts that had come out Mm -hmm. against USA Gymnastics. We're Um, brave women. Right. I, having that in the background and then reading this book where, you know, there's, there's multiple plot lines of love and relationships and dating happening. And in the background, you, you're thinking there's a scandal happening. Yeah. There was a lot to pull from in the world of gymnastics. And the book is, it's about the abusive culture that gymnastics has been perpetuating and really just the ways that the sport has failed girls and young women for decades and covered up a lot of abuse and swept a lot of abuse under the rug. But it's also the story of an athlete 
who learns to find her ambition again after facing a lot of challenges and setbacks. It's a story about love, romantic love and platonic love. And it's a story about my love for gymnastics as well, because I was a gymnast for 15 years. Wow. 15 years. Did you do gymnastics in college? No, from three to 18. So holy smokes. That's a long time. It was a long time. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, I think that working as a matchmaker was the best training for writing fiction because you know, you know, just from the line of work that like every single person has a story. It's probably not the story that they're broadcasting. Um, but you do get to see people's quirks or, you know, the things they would rather keep hidden and you get to see how that influences how they find love or try to find love. So I think it was really helpful training. Tell me more about your matchmaking experience. How long were you a matchmaker for? Not very long. So I got interested in matchmaking by reading the column Dinner with Cupid in the Boston Globe Sunday magazine, where they set up two people on a blind date and then write about it. And in college, I started doing the same thing. And I would set up students and I would write about their experiences. And it was just for fun. It wasn't professional at all. Um, But then I crossed paths with somebody who owns a matchmaking company and she hired me. So I worked for her for about eight months. So really not a very long time. And I quickly realized that this was something really fun, but not what I wanted for my career path. So I did it for about eight months. And then the following year, I started writing a novel based on that experience called Playing With Matches. One of my former employees on her last day, the former employee that I'm about to talk about is the woman who actually introduced me to my husband. So that's how good of a matchmaker she is. But the last day as part of the Agape team, she said to me, I was a matchmaker for five years just because tomorrow I'm not a match. I don't work for a matchmaking company does not make me stop being a matchmaker. I think it's hard to stop looking at people and trying to not fix them. That's, that's not what matchmakers do, but it's like, Oh, I really want to find you someone amazing. So you could spend the rest of your life. Do you find yourself still doing that? I don't find myself doing that, but I do find it really hard to switch off the part of my brain. That's like, let's talk about dating and relationships. Let's talk about what's going on in your life. Like, if somebody has a problem or a question, like I am drawn to helping them figure it out, which is one of the reasons I was really excited to do this podcast, but I still work sort of in the dating world. I work as a dating editor, so I get to do a lot of that in my day job, which is nice. How long have you been at Elite Daily? It's going to be about three years this fall. Wow. Yeah. And as editor of Elite Daily, do you see that certain types of subject matter is more popular Yeah, I think that the stories that people are drawn to the most are the ones where they're like, am I normal? Is this normal? Is this okay? And that could be anything from like, is this a normal behavior on a first date to is this normal in a relationship? Is this normal during sex? People just want to know that they're not the only weird one or the only one having a problem. Can you give me an example? Yeah, I think people are always really curious about if their feelings for their exes are normal. Like, is it normal if it takes me a really long time to get over somebody? Is it normal if I still stalk them on Instagram? And yeah, it's normal. Like it's probably- Oh my gosh. It's it's so normal. I I don't stalk. I mean, I'm gosh, I'm married with two kids now, but I still will check in sometimes just, to, and it's not even to see like how they're doing. It's to see how far away are you from my life to not affect me emotionally if I see you. Yeah. Like, like I'm always like, all right, let's do a Google search for our last six guys. And you know, like, it's kind of like chess pieces. Like how far can these pawns be away from my king? It's kind of like, to me, it feels like watching a TV show that I stopped watching years ago. And then you just dip into one episode and you're like, oh yeah, that's what happened to that guy. That is a fantastic example. That's exactly what it is. Do you ever see an episode of a guy and think, wow, thank God I'm out of that show? Yes. Oh yeah. Thank God I wrote myself <laughs> off. 
yes, I am always. But yeah, I mean, if you're not, I think that's also really normal. It takes time to get to that place of, oh, I don't care about this anymore. Yeah. I always tell people that the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. And so when you can tune into an episode and just be like, all right, that's that's nice. Then you've moved on. Like it's, you know, I think uh, (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Live for that. Head Over Heels just came out. It's your third book. I follow you on Instagram. You're writing your fourth book. I feel like every day you put out a status of how many words you've written. I do it every day that I write. I just try to keep myself accountable. So I write um, just a little update about how many words I wrote that day and how big the project has gotten overall. So I'm about 50,000 words into book four. And how many, I don't know anything about this, 50,000 words, how many chapters would that be in a young adult novel? That's like a little over halfway through. So 150, 175 pages. The thing that I noticed in your books is that you have a lot of characters and multiple strings, just kind of, your books are made for a movie. Thank you. Say that louder. Tell your (laughs) friends, tell your director friends. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, you know, like those movies like Crash, where everything's like interconnected. I feel like I'm reading this in a book. Oh, thank you. That's a huge compliment. So how do you keep track of people? I felt like this when I was a matchmaker too, when you're juggling a lot of different clients, you just got to check in on everybody like every day, like, you know, like, oh, we haven't heard from Jasmine in three chapters. What is Jasmine doing this afternoon? You know? Right. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause if you ask me, you know, if I check in on with all my clients, I could tell you everything my clients are doing right now. It doesn't even cross my mind. I don't know why I would find this difficult to do in some other mm-hmm. context. But it's, it's second nature to you now because you've been doing it repeatedly for so long. That's true. And I, the same for you, right? Well, for writing, for matchmaking. I for writing, know. I mean, not for yeah. matchmaking, yeah. What are the most common dating questions you get? And do you find yourself preemptively answering those questions in your books? Ooh, what a good question. I think the questions I get the most often, because I do dating Q&As on my Instagram stories every once in a while, and I get a lot of questions about people feeling like, you know, they want to date, but they're afraid to put themselves out there either on a dating app or with a certain person that they like. And I haven't written about that so much, but I get a lot of questions, um, you know, about getting over exes and about liking somebody but not sure if they are liked back. And those are definitely in the books because anything with that sort of tension is just really fun to play with in fiction. So Head Over Heels starts with a breakup. And then there is, you know, while she is healing from this breakup, she goes off and has a romance with somebody else. And there's a lot of, you know, should we or should we not do this kind of tension? And that is so fun to write. That's awesome. How long do you think it takes for character or person in real life to get over a crush? Not an ex-boyfriend, a crush. I have a a theory about this. So I want to see what you think. Well, in fiction, the answer is... (laughs) The next day. (laughs) fast or slow as the author needs in order to make the plot work. <laughs> but in real life, I don't know. I think, I, I kind of think it's the same principle. It's hard to get over a crush in a vacuum, but it's easy to get over a crush when there's something more exciting. And that could be another person, or it could just be like your life has moved on and you're excited about a job or a friend or, or a hobby or whatever. I don't know. What's your theory? I think it's four months. I think it's a season plus one month. And it's exactly what you just said without the number. It's you get excited about a new friend, a a new living situation, a new job, a new hobby, a new group of friends, a networking event. I don't know, anything that's organic, even maybe a new boyfriend. Um, But I think crushes take four months. And I find that, I find that even in ghosting, when people experience ghosting, that time to heal, when you have to find your own closure, 
also mm-hmm. takes four months. Same, the same principle. I was going to ask you if you think it's longer with like a ghosting situation or just any sort of unresolved situation, because then you can play it over in your head and think like what could have happened with this person. Yeah, I suppose. I think a lot of when it comes to ghosting and when it comes to crushes, I think they both rest on I, the person just wants to feel acknowledged. In a crush, it's I need you to acknowledge that I exist so that these feelings are warranted. And in yeah. ghosting, it's like, I need you to acknowledge me because you've just destroyed me emotionally. Like, right. who does that? I think that's what people think. Like, who does that? Right. It's more about anger than loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's the same, it's the same feeling as acknowledgement. And sometimes you just have to figure it out on your own, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Because the truth is about some crushes is that they never get resolved. Right. It's just a crush. (laughs) You might not have the opportunity to date that person. Um, That person might not just be unavailable emotionally, physically, mentally. So yeah. All right. Let's take some questions. Hi, Allison. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I am 34 and I'm in, I'm currently in Massachusetts, but I'm from New York City. I matched with a guy right before COVID and I never met him in person um, before I came up to Massachusetts. So we dated for four months um, just over FaceTime, like talking a few times a day over FaceTime. Um, but because of COVID and my pre existing conditions, um, I don't plan to meet him anytime in the new, near future because I don't plan on coming back to New York um, anytime soon. So it's been, it was four months um, as of last week and we had a conversation and he decided to end things because he was getting frustrated with the long distance and he was starting to resume normal life in New York City. He is definitely, he said, open to reconnecting when COVID is over and I'm back in New York um, and can see people. But I don't know how I feel about it. And I wanted to see, get advice from you guys. Um, Like, do you think that there's no future between us because we couldn't make it through COVID? My follow-up question is that actually I have, his birthday is coming up like in a couple of weeks. And I was wondering, is it wrong because I'm still thinking about him to want to send him something for his birthday? Not like anything big, but maybe just something like a fun gift, a funny gift. Allison, your question is a great question because I think it's one for the times. It's what's happening right now and you are not alone. I can't tell you how many DMs I get and emails I receive from people experiencing the exact same thing. They've created online relationships with people two, three, four months long, in your case, four months. And the situation is that they haven't met physically. The long distance gets tough. And I feel like what's happened here is, you know, he's kind of putting the line in the sand. Like, I I can't do this anymore. I need to meet you physically. I'm out. Hannah, what do you think about um, Allison's situation? Well, first, I just wanted to say, I'm sorry that you're going through a tough time because this sounds really frustrating and really disappointing after investing all this time and energy into this relationship for four months. And that that just sucks. My follow-up question for you would be, Aside from meeting in person, do you think that you have similar attitudes about the virus? Like if you, let's say you were to be in the same place as him physically, like, would you feel comfortable with how he's handling it? Like wearing a mask or going out or like, are you compatible on those elements? Because if you're not, that's just a much more difficult conversation to have with him. And that's sort of a non-starter. But if you are, then maybe there is something that you could work out with him at some point in the future. I mean, I'm not comfortable with the way, like he's 100% still, or has resumed 
going out. He even traveled at some, like for a weekend. So I wouldn't be comfortable meeting up even if I were in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I've stayed away too. But at the same time, I, I think it's fine that he's doing it because he doesn't have the same, you know, issues as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, because for, like if he's not seeing me also, like I don't care that he is going out, you know, I, it's, that's not a problem to me just because I did think he's like a low risk type of person in terms of um, whether or not he would get like really sick or not. So it has nothing to do with this guy it has to do with the overall situation, right? Because even if you weren't dating Joe, um, the next Joe is going to run into the same situation, right? They're going to talk to you for this many months. They're going to want to see you, you know, life has not gotten back to quote unquote normal. We don't know when it will. I find that these questions come from obviously a place of frustration, but also a place of Allison's single life and the guy she's been FaceTiming single life. So we make single people decisions. What I'm trying mm-hmm. to explain here is, you know, you just said, well, he do- he's low risk. So I guess it's fine. If you were a couple, you're, you know, the couple is as strong as its weakest member. <laughs> Right. And and I co- totally agree with that. Like if I were in New York and we were meeting up, then I think he would probably act differently because I think he's from, you know, the four months of knowing him, I've, he is definitely a very considerate person. Um, and I think if I were meeting up with him, then it would be a different story. But right now, because he doesn't have to take me into consideration he is going out and just living his single life. And to me, I don't have any problem with that because I'm not with him. Well, you're frustrated though, and you're hurt. Yeah. Part of me thinks, while I don't know how much longer it will be, like, I wish he made more of an effort to try the long distance even longer, even though I have no idea how long it would be. But I also understand 100% that it's really frustrating on his end. Because he is going out and, you know, seeing other people and resuming his life. And he hasn't even met me, right? So mm-hmm. it's not like he's invested in a deeply committed relationship at this point. Four months is a really long time. I mean, that means mm-hmm. that you've been FaceTime dating longer than Kim Kardashian's second marriage. <laughs> I'm being serious. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> The first question's tough, right? Because I don't know how your position changes if you insert a different man. Unless, you know, the, to be honest, the solution here is if he really likes you, he needs to go and self-quarantine for 14 days and then you both can meet. <laughs> Get a test, then self-quarantine. Yeah. Right. I feel like that's the only way to, you know, move this forward. In terms of you getting a gift, I would not. I would not. Yeah. He's, he's telling you that like he understands your situation and he's not willing to get a test and quarantine and make this work. And he is showing you where he stands. Okay. Thank you, Allison. I, I really you. wish That's you really helpful. And keep, continue, keep, continue to stay safe. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Let's go to our next question. Alex, you're on the line. Hi, I am 32 year old woman. I live in Seattle. I have been single for two and a half years And during that time, I did a lot of online dating. Um, So I'm five foot four. And normally while assessing people out from their profiles, I was only dating men who were at least five eight, which I thought was very reasonable height requirement for my five four. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
And um, so back in January, this man asked me out who's 5'6", which is two inches shorter than what I had typically been going out with. But, but two he- inches taller than you. Continue. <laughs> taller than me yes (laughs) um and he was super cute so I decided to still go out with him and see how it goes and um after our first date I still had some of the thoughts I know many people probably do like he's so short like could I wear heels with him will we have short children um but the date went really well and I enjoyed his company so I continued to go out with him um and now it's been five months and he is the best boyfriend I have ever had Um, He makes me laugh constantly. He cooks dinner for me. He brings me wine after. Have you quarantined together? Yep. And we've been um, just quarantined together. We still have our own separate homes, but um, we'll stay over at each other's houses all the time. Every week of quarantine, I feel like is a one month of a relationship. Yeah. It feels like we've been together for like a year, not five months. Yeah. I've had a few clients get in relationships this year and quarantine together and when they say, oh, we've only been together for three months, I'm like, yeah, but you have like three years <laughs> under your belt. Like, okay, yeah, it feels like that for sure. And uh, yeah, he tells me every day how beautiful I am. We Aww. talk about our future together. And um, also it's amazing sex and he is very well endowed. So it does not matter that he is five, six. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can't wait. Alex, I'm so happy to hear this. Like, first of all, you are my first non-dating question. You are my first (laughs) aha moment. So congratulations, virtual balloons. Yes. And this is, Um, I'm so much happier now than if I was still looking for someone who's 5'8". Like all his qualities are so much more important than a couple inches. I love, well, not the inches that matter. It's not at all. It's just, it's so, it's so irrelevant. I like never look at him and I, I think, it's oh, true. God. I feel like I say this a lot. Like I'm not a heightist. I'm 5'11". When I was online dating, I would search for 5'9 and up because the majority of men are not over 5'11", at least in this country. If you go to Germany or Scandinavian countries, it's like a whole different ball game. But in this country, <laughs> The average height is five foot eight, five foot nine. I'm not a heightist. Um, I tell people at work all the time, you know, especially women who are five foot two, five foot four, you know, oh, he has to be at least five foot ten. No, he doesn't. I'm gonna do my job <laughs> and make sure I set you up with someone who's fantastic because height is literally not a factor when it comes to measuring someone's character and integrity. Definitely. Maria, I think all the time about something you once told me, or you were like when I was giving birth, I did not care how tall my husband was. Like he was just there supporting me. And I, I think there when I was giving that speech, I was like, this does not matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're so right. It's true. Alex, thank you so much for this. Height is one of those things that I feel like we're socialized into thinking, but it's even more heightened. Ooh, pun. Um, now because of dating apps, like I feel like if Alex had gone to a bar 10 years ago, let's say she was the same age as she is now 10 years ago. And, you know, the guy came up next to her who was two inches taller than her and he had a great smile and he made her laugh and he asked her a few questions and he actively listened to what she had to say. Height would have never even been a factor to think about. And I think what mobile dating apps have done is have, they've made height a search, you know, a search a part of the search query, right? Yeah. And now it's making women think like, oh, no, no, I have now access to telling what kind of height I wanted a man. Okay. Something that did not matter before is going to definitely matter now. 
have you seen people being either more or less picky about height during the pandemic? Because of all the things, like if you're not going to meet this person in real life, truly what does height matter? But I, I still think that people are putting on height filters when they're using dating apps. I think in dating apps, location has become irrelevant. It seems yeah. like people are way more open to dating outside of their city. Some people are moving out of their city. I read recently 40% of New Yorkers left New York. Wow. That's 40%, some temporarily and some permanently, but you know, wow, what an exodus. And you know, now with the passport features on many online dating apps, location is definitely a factor that's come out. Height. I still think people are using height, but I do believe that there is going to be a segment of population who's opening up the search and getting rid of height in the process. Or, you know, they're, they're adding another inch, let's say. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, whereas Alex maybe said, you know, it has to be five foot eight. Now she's saying, okay, five foot six or five foot seven. I always tell people, you know, sometimes I get women, I'm sure you experience this even, even matchmaking for eight months. I will get women in my office who say stuff and they're usually um, under the height of five foot five, um, you know, he needs to be at least five foot 10 or he needs to be at least six feet tall. And I think to myself, like, that's a six inch gap and I'm 5'11". Could you imagine if I went to a matchmaker's office and said he needs to be at least six foot five? No, I mean, no. Yes, but no. I mean, I once, I'm five eight, and I once dated a guy who was six foot six and I thought it was not comfortable to kiss him because he was so much taller than I was. And right. I can imagine people who actively seek that out all the time. Like I would try to like sit on his kitchen counter to be a little bit taller to kiss him. It's like, you can't do that. You know? You know and the other thing, that I, I think I said this to you um, recently as well. It has happened pre, pre-COVID. I remember saying this. I asked women, you know, why does he need to be that much taller than you? I you know I have a lot of clients who are five foot eight, five foot nine, and they refuse to meet them because they're five foot eight and five foot nine. Just refuse. And I asked them like, what is the problem? What exactly do you not like about this height? And they'll say stuff like, I just need to feel protected. And then I have to remind them that the two biggest threats to your safety is identity theft and not washing your hands. These are the two things that you need protection from. And let me tell you, a man's height is just not going to help with either of those things. As someone who's 5'11", my husband is, my husband says he's six feet tall. He's 5'11". I I saw his ID the other day and I'm like, you're not six feet, you're 5'11". And I don't, you know, okay, I get to, I, I met him with heels. He was fine with it. Most men don't care. I meet men all the time who are like, I don't care if she's taller than me. Yeah. As long as she's okay with it, I don't care. Yeah. (sighs) All right. Let's go to the next one. Hi, Maria. My name is Brian. I'm 36 and I'm originally from Indiana, but now live in the Virgin Islands. Love the podcast, by the way. I just found out that my biggest high school crush, who I went on a few dates with off and on, nothing serious, just got divorced after 10 years, and she has two younger daughters. She still lives in Indiana, and the family's still all there, and my family's still all up there as well. But I live down in the Caribbean now. Um, and don't really have any plans to move up back that way. And honestly, I don't really have an interest of having a family. But I will say that, in a way, she's kind of the one that got away. I do wonder, still to this day, if I would have taken it more seriously and actually went out with her and dated her if we would have eventually gotten married and and been together. But our lives are so different now. So my question is, what do I do in this situation? Because I kind of have an interest in her and I would be up for going on a few dates with her, seeing what happens and, you know, whatever happens, happens, have some fun. But I don't think it would end up being serious just because our lives are so different. But I think it could be fun. So how do I approach this uh, in a way that shows that maybe it could be a fun thing for the two of us or do I just let it go? Thanks. 
I think your lives are in really, really, really different places if you're living in the Caribbean and don't want a family and she lives in Indiana and has two kids. So you're right, it could be fun, but I don't think that she's the same person that she was all those years ago that you remember. So it might not be quite the same thing that you're imagining. I love that he said, I feel like she was the one that got away because I fundamentally do not believe that that exists. Why? I, I know that you have theories on this, but I'm curious. Well, why do you disagree? Do you think there is a thing, a person that got away? No, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a real concept, but I think it's a really attractive concept that people can latch on to, to explain why they are still thinking about somebody. But no, I mean, somebody I got away. I like I've only seen it on right. TV. I don't think I've experienced it so much. Not personally, but even like professionally, when I ask like some of my clients, like, well, why didn't you marry this person? There's a reason why they didn't get married. Right. Something wasn't right. If it was right, it would have worked out. Right. I feel like everyone thinks that they're in a John Cusack movie when really they're in a Joan Cusack movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, just two different. Yeah. So, so the reason why I fundamentally don't believe, believe that, you know, she's the one that got away is because we live in a four dimensional world. <laughs> Hannah, where are you right now? Where are you quarantining? I'm just outside Boston. Your coordinates where you are right now in Boston, you know, let's say you're in South Boston on a, you know, on South, on, you know, West Broadway street and whatever. And you are five foot eight, you said? Okay. So those are your three dimensions, right? That's your latitude, your long longitude and your height. Mm -hmm. And the fourth dimension is time. The person that Hannah is today is a very different person that the Hannah was a week ago. Cause in the last week or even in the last day, Hannah has had more experiences. She's read more articles. She's done different things. And so all those experiences, they give us context and how we approach opportunity. And so opportunity is a construct that, that fits within time. So the person that got away, those were the decisions you made based on the opportunity you had at that moment. You no longer have that opportunity. You no longer pursued it. It's not the person that got away. Hi, Katie. Hi. So I had a question about someone I started seeing in probably like mid-April. So I live in upstate New York and the state was like, we were shut down. So I met him on Bumble and we started seeing each other virtually. So we went on like a couple FaceTime or Google duo dates, which was really nice. And then after um, a few weeks of that, we did socially distance walks. Like we went on like five or six dates and didn't even physically touch each other. No hugs, no brushing, like the shoulder, whatever as I got like more comfortable with him and kind of more trusting that he was being safe and staying healthy, we started hanging out at his house. Like we'd watch a movie, we'd order dinner and it was going really well. So that was, and, and we've talked every day for two months. So last night I started the sort of like, what are we conversation trying to define the relationship? He told me he's not really looking to settle down, which was like in the moment was super disappointing. And I was like, well, damn, because <laughs> I've talked to you every day for two months and like, I thought we were really hitting it off. And we've gone on probably like 15 virtual dates. Have you had sex with like, this person? We did. I when waited, did you have sex? I waited after 12 dates. Congratulations, and, Katie. But I did that. So like, I took your advice on one hand, but I didn't clearly make sure that our three-year goals aligned before I did that. Because obviously now I'm learning that they don't. But yeah, all signs without like verbally confirming it pointed to that like towards a relationship, like I had to go to Florida to spend time with um, a family member who was about to pass away. 
And so he, we talked every day. He was like super understanding. We FaceTimed while I was in Florida and I was like, okay, like this is a good, a good human, you know? And so this happened yesterday and I'm kind of like processing it and I'm good with it. Like he gave me a gift and telling me where he's at. Like, thank you for telling me now and not, you know, telling me like three months from now. And I'm proud of myself for asking. So I know that I want to settle down. Like I want to find my person. I get where he's at. He got out of a very long-term relationship. Stop, stop. No, don't talk about him. Why are you defending him? Whatever you're about to do, you don't want- do it. Don't defend why he's not ready for a relationship. That's his story. Right. Right. So Katie, tell me, you know, you feel really frustrated. You just spent two months talking to this person every day. You had sex with him. He was there during a vulnerable moment when you went to Florida. What is the next step for you here? So here's what I'm thinking is the next step. And I, I love your advice. Like he's given me a gift. I know what he wants, but I also know what I want. Like I'm about to turn 30. Like I was in a relationship for a long time. I realized he wasn't my person. I, you know, I wanted to find someone that I was more compatible with. Cause I like, I don't want to end up divorced. It's not what I want. So like I went through that. Then I was saying, I've been single for like two years and now I'm at a point where it's like, okay, ready to find like my person. So I'd like to like make it very clear to him where I'm at. Like, thank you for telling me where you're at. This is where I'm at. Like I'm looking to settle down. I'm looking to find like the right person for me. I think that you're a, a great person. I think you have a, a lot of wonderful qualities as a human being. You know, while I'm, I'm bummed that, you know, we're just in two different places in our lives right now, this isn't it for us. I'm going to continue to pursue like what, what I want and finding someone that wants to settle down and settle down with me. I, I wish you luck and, and sort of like a, hey, if, if the timing do, like down the road for you no, changes no. And, and you find yourself in a place like, you know where to find me and hey, if I'm free and the timing works out. No, 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 no. No, just totally. Okay. This is why I needed to ask you. <laughs> this is why I needed to. You're, you're putting this guy on a pedestal. It does not matter if he just got out of a relationship. Everyone that's single just got out of a relationship or they right. haven't been in a relationship in a long time. Like we can come up with a million excuses. And, but the truth of the matter is, and here's exactly what you could say. What I would say is, listen, I really want my next serious relationship to lead to marriage. That is a perfectly acceptable thing to say to someone that you've already had sex with. I would have said this before, but since you've already have, there's, you cannot have uncomfortable conversations with people. Like you can't, you need to be able to have uncomfortable conversations with people that have seen you naked. And in this case, it's, I want my next serious relationship to lead to marriage. It seems like there's no future here. Thank you so much for being a part of my journey. I, think I know that's, that's cruel, but that's, that's the reality of it. There's no, there's no you going saying, well, if things change for you, no, he already told you. Katie, I thought what you said at the beginning about, you know, this was great. It was great to meet you. You're awesome. Like, that's perfect. And then you can just let that be because you've said everything you needed to say and there's nothing else to explain. So I thought that what you said was really perfect. It's like a lost cause to even open the door to say, if, if there's a time in the future where our timing match up, great, but like, I'm not sitting around waiting for you. There's no such thing as the right timing. He's already told you he's not interested in pursuing a relationship that leads to the same three-year goals. Right. Katie, let me tell you something. If a man, it doesn't matter where a man is. A man could be 23 and going through residency or whatever, or he could be 42 and just divorced. If he finds the right woman and his ego is in the right place, that's it. He, he's settling. He's, he's chasing after you. He's not letting you get away. He's not leaving you confused. And you are frustrated and confused. And that's, oh my like, God, that sucks because you're totally drunk on like 
oxytocin right now and you're seeing all the flowers and but like i'm trying not to be drunk i'm trying to like sober myself up you know trying to like get a liquid iv in me it's gonna be so (laughs) tough i know but it it, it takes time and you have to give yourself that time but let me tell you i'm telling you four or five months down the line you're gonna be so proud of yourself so just put in the calendar and just literally create a countdown Like I did it. Well, I hope it doesn't take four months to like. Oh, I hope so too. And I don't think it will take that long, but let me tell you, once you get over that, once you get to the indifferent part, you're going to be so proud of yourself. I just want to say that I'm proud of you. I think that you are addressing this in a really head on smart way. You are standing up for exactly what you want. We're telling this guy exactly what you want. You've done the work to know what it is that you want. And that can be a really challenging thing too. So I just think that you're in a really, really good position. And if he doesn't fit into that part of your life, like that's really his loss. So bye. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks guys. And I'd like PSA to anyone out there, like even though it was really awkward to have that conversation last night, and like I definitely didn't get the answer I wanted. And he, he immediately was like, I feel like I'm not giving you the answer you're looking for. And I'm like, you're not. But I have to say like for anyone who's in a similar situation and like thinking about asking it, just like rip the bandaid off because even though I didn't get the answer I wanted, I felt a huge weight lifted off my shoulders because it was like, now I know, like, I just know know. this is what it is. It's black and white. Now it used to be super gray. So if you're worried or scared about it, just like say the words, rip the bandaid off. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Katie. Thank you guys. I appreciate you. Okay. So we got this really interesting question, Hannah. Is it possible to become a trophy wife And if so, how do I tell men that I want to be one? So the first thing that this made me think of is my grandma's dating advice. And she said, there's a lid for every pot. Of course, it's possible to do that. There are millions of people out there who would want a trophy wife. If Stephen Miller can find someone to marry him and carry his child, then (laughs) there is a lid to every pot. (laughs) I just wouldn't use that phrase, though, personally, because I think that you can say that in a way that puts a value on what you're providing. You know, you can say that, you know, you want to make a beautiful home. You can say that, you know, you are more old fashioned or traditional or whatever other word you want to use, but I wouldn't use that word. A trophy wife is, it's a state of mind. (laughs) It's not what you're going to say to a man. So let's talk about what a trophy wife is. I think what I imagine a trophy wife is, is someone who is gorgeous, not like girl next door gorgeous, but like conventionally this person is a 10. (laughs) Puts on heels and lipstick to go to the grocery store. Exactly. Uh, Grocery store. No, no, no. Trophy wives don't go to the grocery store. They send the maid (laughs) to the grocery store. Excuse me. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to be that to someone, you have to be that. I don't know how to explain to someone how to be a gold digger because that's essentially what we're talking about. And that's okay. There is no judgment. There are a lot of men who want to meet women just like that. But uh, what I would say is you have to revamp your lifestyle. Take a look at it. Call up a gay friend and ask if you look like a trophy wife because they will not lie to you and start living that life. There is a lifestyle that goes there and you need to start subscribing to it. And um, the, the people that you're going to surround yourself in that lifestyle are going to help you organically meet the kind of person you want to meet. There's also professional matchmaking agencies that do that too. It's not necessarily my agency, but there are um, a couple of services that cater specifically to men who only want to meet women that would be quote unquote trophy wives. Interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, look for like matchmaking models, stuff like that. Well, you'll find them. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love this question, Hannah. I would love for your thoughts on this. What are your thoughts on meeting men online, but not via dating apps like Instagram or Reddit? Is that sketchy? 
full disclosure, I was looking at men on Instagram yesterday because I think it's a really great way to see what a person's life actually looks like. And sure, it's still a highlight reel the same way that their dating app profile is a highlight reel, but you get more because you get more photos, you get to see who they're friends with, which I really value because then you get to see their whole networking community and you get to see people's comments and you get to see a sense of their humor as they engage with people back and forth. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely a great place to, I don't know if you necessarily want to like communicate with them on the app, but I don't think it's a bad thing either just to say like, Hey, you know, send a message, see what happens, treat it like a dating app. I feel like it's okay on Instagram and even Reddit. I don't think it's okay on, so like the purpose of Instagram is to, you know, share your life, your personal life. Um, on Reddit, it's to share your personal opinion, your personal hobbies. And I think that's, those are perfectly acceptable places to look for someone. I think on other websites like LinkedIn, where the purpose of that is to enhance your professional profile, that is not the place to hit on people. It's not. And also, I'm just going to say, if you are reaching out to somebody on Instagram or Reddit, you have to understand it's not built to be a dating app and people aren't expecting to get messages from suitors. So you really have to be respectful of boundaries when people say, oh, you know, I actually don't use this to meet people. I've been on so many fun and amazing first dates that never lead to second dates. What am I doing wrong? I get this question a lot every week and I'm always at a loss for words because the real answer is I don't know you. I don't know what you look like. I don't know what platforms you're using to meet people. I don't know how you sit when you go on first dates. Like you, you know, you should be sitting next to each other, not um, across from each other. Although now we live in a COVID world. So who knows what that looks like? You know, I don't know what your first date's like. I, how could I possibly know you're not going getting on a second date? I mean, I don't know the answer either, but my question would be, do you want a second date with every single person you go out with? Because I think it's really easy to get wrapped up in this idea of like, do they like me back? Like, did I do a good job on the date? But that's not really what it's about. It's about, is this a connection that you want to pursue? So I'd put more energy into that first. I think there's a few reasons why someone does not ask you out on a second date. The most popular reason why someone does not ask you on a second date is you you do not make them feel good. People, especially men, do not remember where you live or where you work or whatever, but they will remember how you made them feel. You know, if you ask some, if they, you know, bump into someone two years later, I remember I met a guy that I wanted to set up and we had a mutual friend with each other and he said, Oh, you know her. And I go, yeah. He goes, I went on a date with her three years ago. And I'm like, Oh, how was it? And he said, Oh, she's so racist. Whoa. So he didn't remember what she like looked like. He didn't comment on, you know, her amazing career. He remembered that which made it not fun. And that's why that's the most popular reason why people don't go on a second date. The second most popular reason why people do not go on a second date is you did not look like your photos on your online dating profile. Um, There's a lot to say about awkwardness. Like if the conversation is like fun, but it's not like it's hard work to keep the conversation going. That's, I mean, you can still have fun. Yeah, it's a drag. Worth the second date all the time. Yeah. These are the two most common reasons why someone does not go on a second date. And the way to correct those is, you know, Ump, ump your fun, the fun bone in your body. You know, one way to do this, start practicing rapport, take a public speaking class. There's so many webinar classes right now to help you learn public speaking, because if you can master public speaking, you can create rapport very quickly with an audience, even with strangers. So you have to really amp up the fun bone. And of course, the second way to increase your second date opportunities is to have accurate photos of yourself that are current, where you're smiling and that look like you. <laughs> that are in your current weight class, that show off your height, that show off your, you know, I think sometimes people see something different and they're like, okay, I had a great date, but I don't, 
I like the woman in the photo. I don't, I don't like this person I'm meeting. I also think it's fine to just ask. Like I've sent a text before that was like, I had a really great time. Curious, you know, why you didn't feel the chemistry. And, and I, how do men respond? Oh my God. I love that you do that, by the way. H- how do men respond? I think the most recent was like, I just didn't feel it. And I found that so not helpful. I was like, okay, but like, but, but that's a perfectly, I mean, haven't you been on a first date where you're like, I'm just not feeling it? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, this was a guy who I felt like I had just like had a little too much to drink and said something dumb. And I was like, oh, I wish I hadn't said any of that. And I wanted to be called out on it. And he didn't call me out. He was just like, just didn't feel it. And at that time. I feel like a really common, like even in matchmaking world, I will get clients who say, you know, she was clearly attractive. I just don't, I don't know why I just was not attracted to her. Yeah. And I feel that way on dates too. I think it's, it's, that's a perfectly acceptable answer. And it's something so small. Like I didn't like the way she talked to the waiter. Therefore she's not, I'm not physically attracted to her anymore. I didn't like, you know, like it's something, if I keep digging, I could probably find out why they weren't attracted, but that's a perfectly acceptable reason not to want to go out with someone. It's frustrating because it's not actionable because I can't take that and then go to my I know. But yeah, no, I understand. It's human nature. Yeah. All right. I have one last audio question. Hi, my name is Sandra and I'm 34 years old. As a vegan, should I be only looking for vegan men? I value the principles of veganism and I want my partner to do the same. Looking forward to your answer and thank you, Maria. I think she dropped her keys there. So I love that this is my first vegan question. I feel like there'd be more right now. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly easier for convenience sake to eat the same things. Uh, I don't think it's a requirement unless it's clearly important. And for her, I guess she said it is really important. But see, the, the thing I have an issue with this with like when you are vegan and you restrict to only vegan dating, there's two missed oppor- there's a missed opportunity here and then there's a problem. So the problem is that you're subscribing to a lifestyle that anyone could easily get out of. So, you know, yeah, maybe you meet a guy in a vegan chat room or a vegan party or whatever. Who's to say he's not going to want to eat a burger a year from now? But then it's also the missed opportunity, which is you could meet someone who's a carnivore who, after he sees that you can actually make more things than lentil soup, <laughs> might want to subscribe to um, a you know, vegan diet, especially now with, you know, uh, people learning more about wet markets in China and the consequences of those wet markets, I think you're going to see to see a bigger increase in subscriptions to these lifestyles. I think also figure out what your values are and like how other people can fit into them in different ways. Like maybe he's not vegan, but is he really environmentally conscious in other ways? Like, is he really supportive of animal rights in other ways? There are more ways than one to find common ground. And it, doesn't have to be just based on food. The best advice I can give to vegan singles who want to date other vegans is to stop limiting yourself to dating other vegans. As I said, it's a missed opportunity to convert carnivores into vegans. Now, how to do that? As you open yourself to dating people that are not vegan, maybe they're vegetarian, maybe they're carnivore, what you want to do is allow them to select the venue. You can also make some suggestions, but don't necessarily select your favorite vegan place. What you also want to do is if you are online dating or if you are meeting people for a first date, you don't necessarily need to lead with I'm a vegan because now you're just giving off an identifier. And that comes with a bias, especially to people who are not subscribing to that lifestyle. They don't know that much about it. They think that life is hard being a vegan. And what your job is to do as you date them is to show them that it's not because it isn't. 
So as you go on your first date and your second date and your third date, you're going to lead with your values. What makes you vegan? You're going to talk a little bit more about animal welfare. You could talk about environmental concerns you have because the person that you're dating, they probably share those values. They probably do feel strongly about animal welfare or preserving the environment. I would hope so. You attracted them. And then maybe on the second or third date, this is when you mention, hey, I'm actually vegan. And the person who's not vegan sitting across from you will be so surprised because you didn't lead with that. That wasn't just your main identity. And they will say stuff like, wow, you didn't make it hard to date you. And they're probably also going to ask what your favorite vegan place is to take on your next date. But you're also showing them an introduction to your life. I would say that most vegans that I've met will tell you that it's, it's easy to be vegan if it's something that you believe in. So go with your convictions. Lead with that. And if he is the right person or if she is the right person, they will definitely respect your choices, but they also might be open to joining you on those choices. So, you know, I always say in this sense, lead with your values. It's very weird to eliminate people based on an identity because what if they change that identity? What if they decide not to be vegan anymore? So are you currently online dating? I was up until like a month ago and I just got really bored with it. I know that's, I mean, I've never in my entire adult life not been actively dating, but it just doesn't feel exciting to me during the pandemic. Well, yeah, because it's really hard to see someone. I totally, I think many people would relate to what you just said, but when you are online dating, do you have a tagline? Like, do you write what you do? Um, yeah, I mean, I usually say I'm a writer and an editor and I don't get into the fact that I write books about relationships and I edit stories about dating because that tends to intimidate people. Um, but yeah, I say I'm a writer and an editor and I list some things that I like and I try to send the first message because if I'm interested in somebody, I don't, I don't mind putting myself out there, but I don't really like waiting around for somebody to come to me. Oh yeah, that's that's always been the advice from our team as well. If you like someone, just message them. It does not matter if it's a male or female who messages first. Absolutely not. Just get it done. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> and like, otherwise, like I would forget about the person and you know, whatever. It's annoying to wait. Awesome. Hannah, again, thank you so much for joining us. I'm actually almost done with your book. I really like it. And honestly, what impressed me the most is how many characters are in this. <laughs> thank you. I don't know. I'm telling you, these are, these are Netflix movies waiting to happen. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. You can buy Hannah's books by visiting your local bookshop or Amazon and searching for Head Over Heels. Follow her on Instagram at Hannah Orens, O-R-E-N-S. We'll also include links to her social media and books on the episode notes. So look out for that. Want more dating and relationship tips? Slide into my DMs on Instagram at Matchmaker Maria. Warning, I do screenshot. And thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. If you love what you heard, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe. If you have a dating or relationship question or any big ahas you'd like to share, email askamatchmakerpodcast at gmail.com. Until then, see you next week.